0: Zoran's already mentioned in his opening prayers that it's Anzac Day today, so I thought for our corporate prayer we could use Anzac Day as a theme, so please join me as I pray. Father God, we remember on this day all those who sacrificed in past wars to protect their freedoms and their way of life in our country. Help us to remember with gratitude the parents the grandparents, maybe even the great-grandparents, who answered the call to defend our country and their community and their society and their way of life. Help us remember, Father God, the sacrifices they made, the livelihoods and jobs and professions they had to set aside, the homes and fathers and mothers and wives and children they farewelled, Help us remember those who put duty before the pursuits and pleasures and pastimes they enjoyed. Help us remember those who died, sometimes needlessly because of the incompetence of those in command. Help us remember those who served obediently, yet came home broken physically, broken emotionally or broken mentally. And help us remember the struggles of those who stayed behind every day, every day, dreading the letter from the government about their loved ones somewhere overseas. Oh, Father God, please have mercy on all those who sacrificed for us. And Father God, we thank you for the peace and prosperity that we have been blessed with in our country for two and almost three generations now. Thank you that we've been spared the call to defend our way of life as those who have gone before us were called. Help us, Father, we pray not to take for granted those freedoms that were defended in the past at such great sacrifice. Help us understand the need for vigilance to maintain those freedoms. Help us not to be deaf and blind to the many changes today that are subtly and persistently threatening that way of life for which so many sacrificed in the past. Forgive us when we allow self to be our priority over responsibility to family and to community and to society and to you, Lord God. Father God, we ask you to help us all always remember Jesus, the best man who ever lived, who willingly obeyed your call, who gave up his home in heaven with you, and became one of us, to restore your kingdom on earth and rescue us from our enslavement to sin. Help us remember that as one of us, he too gave up his livelihood, left his earthly home and family, and spoke out against all that was wrong in his world. Help us remember the sacrifice he made on the cross on our behalf because he loved us so much. Help us remember the better way of living he showed us, And the priorities that he taught us of loving God, loving our neighbour and bringing new people into his kingdom and teaching them to be like himself. Help us, Father, we pray on this day of remembrance to understand and consider what really matters in our way of life. Which freedoms today are truly important and what is worth defending and sacrificing for. Help us, we pray today to understand the sort of life Jesus wants us to have and why this was so important that he would sacrifice himself for us. Help us remember the call he made for us to take up our cross daily and to follow him. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think you're up now.
1: Great to be in church together this morning. In the message today, I want us to look at and consider the words used by Jesus in the parable of the talents recorded in Matthew 25. The words, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I'm not going to unfold the parable Uh, but I want to unfold the beautiful sentence and the words, well done, good and faithful servant. As Christians, I hope we receive these encouraging words from Jesus as we live, as our life on earth comes to a close, or if we're still alive when Jesus comes back again. In fact, I believe Jesus is telling us in this parable that he wants to be able to say to us on our journey home, well done, good and faithful servant. So today I'm going to unpack the words and see what we might have to do to hear the words spoken to us. In the sentence, I see four different qualities being referred to. Well done, good, faithful, faithful. Servant. Well done, giving God our very best shot, glorifying God with our gifting. It's not about being a big shot. It's about giving life our best shot. God is not calling us to be the best. He's calling us to give our best. It's not the size of the gift. It's how we use it. We can't determine the cards that we get dealt, but we can determine how we play them. So we're talking about faithfully serving God with our lives. I think there's two things to consider. One, in the parable Jesus made the point, he has only made us responsible for a few things, a small amount. We're not responsible for everything. You know what I say to that? Thank you, Lord. Secondly, we're all gifted in different ways. Our responsibility is to serve God with our particular gifting. The Bible often refers, and we've sung about it this morning, that our journey in life is like a race. And Paul said, the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, I have finished the race. What race are we to run? Let's go to Hebrews 12.1. And we will see, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now they're those that have gone before us and are looking down at us, but I think it can also be as we look at one another uh, as we journey, as we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. Listen, the race marked out for us. God will show us the race we are to run, but it's not a bad idea to ask him and listen. I see it this way. We're all standing at the bottom of this big mountain, and Jesus is there, and he calls us out by name, and so he would call us by name and say, now, this is the track I want you to run to the top of the mountain. Everyone's track is different. So it's a busy mountain and so we have to run up the track and every time our roads cross or we journey a little way together, we're meant to shout encouragement to one another. It's our chance to shout encouragement as the paths cross. Now here's what we need to know. It's not a competition to beat the other runners up to the top. It's not whether you win or lose, but how you run the race. Now, I'm going to read a poem called The Race. I've read it before. I distinctly remember reading it down at uh, Port Hughes camp. Now, uh, boys and girls, if you're old enough, you might like to listen to this. It goes on for a while, but it's worth listening to. A children's race, young boys, young men, how I remember well. Excitement, sure, but also fear, it wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope each thought to win the race or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. And fathers watched from off the side, each cheering for his son, And each boy hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they went, young hearts and hopes of fire. To win and be the hero there was each young boy's desire. And one boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running near the head, the lead, and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as they speeded down the field across the shallow dip, the little boy who thought to win... Lost his step and slipped, trying hard to catch himself. His hands flew out to brace. Amid the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. So down he fell, and with him hope. He couldn't win it now. Embarrassed, sad, he only wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face which to the boys so clearly said, get up and win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished then he had quit before with only one disgrace, I'm hopeless as a runner now, I shouldn't try to race. But in the laughing, laugh, laughing crowd he searched and found his father's face, that steady look which said again, get up and win the race. So up he jumped to try again, ten yards behind the last. If I'm going to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to move real fast. Exerting everything he had, he gained eight or ten But trying so hard to catch in the lead, he slipped and fell again. Defeat, he lay there silently. A tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three starts, three strikes. I'm out, wide try. The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away. So far behind, so error prone. A loser all the way. I've lost, so what's to use? He thought, I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. With borrowed will, get up, he said. You haven't lost at all. For winning is no more than this, to rise each time you fall. So up he rose to run once more, and with a new commit, he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling, three times he rose again, too far behind to hope to win. He still ran to the end. They cheered the winning runner as he crossed the line first place, head high, so proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line last place, the crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last, with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. To his daddy, sadly, said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. I know it went on for a while. I hope you stayed with it. It moves me every time I read it. It can be a long, hard climb to the top of the mountain. What can give us the courage to persist? Because we read in Hebrews 12.1, things are going to hinder us. Sin will try and entangle. In the words of the poem, we can stumble and fall. The motivation to persist, like in the poem, we have a father who is watching and shouting, get up and win the race. Another way of saying or understanding this, Back to Hebrews 12, 1, and then we're going on to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, what's the motivation? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We now get on to good. What does good mean? Well, I checked it in the dictionary. It simply means upright, righteous, kind, fair, beautiful, pleasant, gracious, faithful, pleasing, beneficial, loving. Who qualifies? (laughs) Perhaps only God. Jesus, in fact, said, No one is good except God. Psalm 105. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. Psalm twenty five eight, good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 34.8, taste and see the Lord is good. And you know, God and good go together. If you add one letter to the spelling of God and that letter is O, you've got good. That's just my little. <laughs> now, God wants to fill us with his goodness. Now, a good person is two things. A good person is good and does good. Good starts in the heart. It's not enough to keep the commandments. It's why we keep the commandments. Under law or under grace, Ephesians six, 6 do the will of God from the heart. 1 Timothy one five, love comes from a pure heart. So where do we get this pure love from? Romans 5.5, 5. God wants to pour his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It's safe to say he wants to pour his goodness into our hearts. It starts with God, but we do have a responsibility. We're told to be holy in all we do. So holy means be set apart. We need to set apart our living for God. In Titus 2.12, I love this scripture. It says, say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. Yet yeah, they come our way, but we say no when they come our way. The motivation for this is in Titus, for the grace of God that brings salvation as appeared. It's what teaches us to say no. So if we're wondering, just look at the beautiful grace of God, God's amazing love, forgiveness and favour, and that will motivate us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. So good starts in the heart, not just looking the part. You've heard about Mr Good Shoes, have you? Mr Good Shoes went to church. He never missed a Sunday. Mr. Goodshoes went to hell for what he did on Monday. <laughs> so be the real deal, not like Mr. Goodshoes. And I, I want to say, sadly, the church at large has suffered greatly because there are too many people that call themselves Christians but live like Mr. Goodshoes. So now we get on to doing good. Matthew 12 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I believe out of the overflow of the heart, life speaks. Titus 3, 1 and 8 says, do whatever is good. Devote yourself to doing good. Hebrews 13, 16, do not forget to do good. Come with me to Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So God's saying, do good, do good. And what an example Jesus set. I love this scripture, Acts ten thirty eight. 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And what did he do? Went around doing good. I think One of the great examples, you've heard the story. He's on his way to Jerusalem and coming to Jericho. And there was a little guy that was a tax collector and he wanted to check this Jesus out. So Zacchaeus climbed the tree. Jesus came along, saw him up the tree and checked out his name and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to enjoy the three important seas with you. You know what they are, don't you? Coffee, cake and chat. And so Zacchaeus and Jesus headed back, had a coffee, a cake, and a chat. Zacchaeus repented and became a Christian. Simple things. It's simple. It's not the big things, but often the little things that count. Talking about doing good. Might be a smile. Might be a word of encouragement. It might just saying someone's name. Maybe a wave. Illustrate. I had a woodshed and have a combustion fire so I'd head out to the woodshed to get my wood and one night there was a little possum there and I looked at him, looked at me he didn't run away, I didn't run away so I thought, oh, I'll get him a slice of apple went out and there he was, ate the apple next night he was out there waiting for me slice of pear every night he was there he was a funny little guy I called him buddy I don't know who his hairdresser was. He had this crazy little blonde haircut, little 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 eyes that would look at me. He'd just sit on the wood or on the bin lid, and you know I'd give him his pear or his apple. We just sat there, and I'd talk to him. He never said a thing to me, but we became mates. One morning, I went to the back door, and there was Buddy. He was dying. He was very sick. I prayed for him, but sadly, my prayer didn't do the job. He died that day. I buried him just over the fence, and when I buried Buddy, I cried. All he had done for me is to rock up and look at me, never said a word, and just became my friend. But it brought tears to my eyes when I said goodbye. It's the little things. I just want to say when I was out with Kerry in the school program with the kids two weeks ago, it was time for us to head out onto the grass and a little girl, she might be here today, I know who she is, she came up to me with a beautiful little face and said, could I hold your hand when we go out to play? She doesn't know that I am never going to forget that beautiful little face. And that beautiful, lovely little offer, could she take my hand? It's the little things. Yes, be good, do good, but remember, it's often the little things that count. Okay, we get to faithful. Another way of describing faithful is full of faith. The Bible itself is full of faith. The words faith, faithful, faithfulness are written over 500 times in the Bible. What is faith? Well, faith recognizes who God is, who Jesus is, and reaches out to Him. See, faith connects us with, to, with and to the person and power and purpose. Listen to that again. Faith connects us to the person, the power, and the purpose of Jesus of God. I describe it this way it's like the string that connects the person and the kite that enables the kite to fly. So God is the person, we're the kite. Faith is the string that connects us to God and enables us to fly. An example of what faith is is found in the story. Another story you've heard, you've heard it so many times. It's the woman who had the bleeding issue and she'd had it for years, gone to a doctor's. And she heard Jesus was in town and so had a lot of other people. There was a crowd around Jesus. But she said to herself, her face said, if I can only touch his garment, I'm going to be healed. So as you know, she pushed through the crowd. She pushed through the crowd with determination, touched his garment, immediately was healed. Jesus said, who touched me? Because he felt power flow. She came to him and she bowed before him trembling and he said your faith has healed you go in peace now I want us to look at this her faith in Jesus motivated her to push through the crowd her faith connected her up with Jesus and healing flowed into her body now here's the question did her faith heal her my answer is no Jesus' power, anointing, healed her. But her faith, determination to put through the crowd and touch him, connected her up with Jesus' healing power. It was the conduit through which the healing power flowed. It was the thing that motivated her behaviour that connected her with Jesus. Here's the thing. God wants our lives to be motivated motivated by our faith in him. In fact, we're told the righteous will live by faith. In the King James Version, it says the just will live by faith. It sounds like, oh, you're just going to live by faith, but that's not what it's saying. We really live by trusting God. An old hymn, I think, speaks of faith so clearly. Those of you that have been around as long as I have, I could probably name you, but I won't, will know this hymn. When we walk, listen to the character qualities of faith as I read it. As we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do... Where he sends, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So face qualities of trust and obey are described as doing his will, doing what he says, going where he sends, but also fellowship sweet, abiding with, walking by his side, And sitting at his feet. Yes, faith will result in our doing and going. But in connection with and in relationship with Jesus, with God, it's the string that connects the kite with the person and enables the the kite to fly. Faith is the string that connects us with God and enables us to fly. Here's just a final point on faith. Yes, character qualities of faith are trust and obey, but another commendable quality of faith is that a faithful person can be trusted. So it works both ways. We have faith, we will trust, but we can also be trusted. So the qualities of faith that we have in focus, living life in relationship. Connected to Jesus, to God. Trusting, obeying, loving him and being trustworthy. The last one, servant. I mentioned that the word faith and faithful is written over 500 times in the Bible. Now this one will surprise you. The words servant, serve, certitude are written over 1,200 times. It's a very important character quality of God. In fact, it's the heart of God to serve. God wants it to be our heart. Follow me, Matthew twenty, twenty six, and 28. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. You know who's speaking these words? Jesus. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2, 5, 6 and 7. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Isn't that amazing? That's God making himself nothing, becoming a servant. Jesus said, I'm among you as one who serves. Now here's the character qualities of a servant. Not lording it over, but loving from under. Not give To give, not to get, I'm sorry. To minister, not to manage. Not to throw your weight around, but wait on those around you. I'm going to say that one again. I like it so much. The character quality of a servant, not to throw your weight around, but wait on those around you. To serve, not be served. I think the major character quality of a servant is humility. And Jesus said, isn't it amazing? I am gentle and humble of heart. He's the son of God. 1 Peter 5 and 6 instructs us very clearly. It's coming up on the screen. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Okay, what's Pride. I did a little bit of thinking and I came up with this. P-R-I-D. Please remember, I deserve everything. (laughs) (sighs) Tried to do the same thing with humility and the best I could do was hang up might. It lowers, it tarnishes you. And then I thought, humility, hum. I love, I trust, Yahweh. However, I want to say that just putting in the appearance of humility... Is not enough. It's like the person who says, I am so proud, I am so humble. It's humility of heart that is the issue. The heart of a humble servant. Servant. We're really just ants. And I, I often, you know, when I look at the universe and then I look at this planet and all that's happening and all the people that surround me and all the things that have to happen. I think, oh, I feel like an ant. And I go out in the front driveway, across the brick driveway, and I see this little ant. He's just going for it, scurrying across the bricks. And he speaks to me. He says, David, don't worry about being an ant. Just do your best. And so he encourages me in that way. How do we obtain this humility of heart? Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Create in me a pure heart, we're told in the psalm. Humility comes our way when we're filled with the Spirit of God because it's a character quality of the Spirit of God. Pride is a character quality of our sinful human nature. Humility, a character quality of God's Holy Spirit. Our responsibility, be filled with the Spirit and say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. So we say no to pride and yes to humility. Jesus was the son of God, but he humbled himself and served. We as Christians are sons and daughters of the living God, but we should humble ourselves and serve. Conclusion. I'm waiting for the chair.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've looked at commendable lifestyle character qualities. Well done. I could have wrapped the whole sermon up just in these. You probably would have remembered it better. The four character qualities of a well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Give life our best shot. Good. Do good. Be good. Faithful. Trust and obey for there's no better way. Servant, serve with a humble heart. When I was preparing this message, I had another flashback. I thought, you know, I learnt these principles when I was in the wolf cubs. Those of you that were a cub would know the cub promise. I promise to do my best, to do my duty to God and the Queen, to keep the law of the wolf cub pack and do a good turn for somebody every day. It's all in there. But... The important thing is why and how we outwork these qualities. It's what the motivation is. It's what the foundation we're building our lives and these qualities on. It's not about being a podium prince, certainly not being Mr. Goodshoes, not being a fearless force or a mighty mountain. But it's about a genuine relationship with God, with Jesus. The motivation to be a servant that is commended with the words, well done, good and faithful servant, should be love, not law. Living with, for God and for Jesus. In the parable, the two servants loved and lived for God. But one servant... He didn't know who God was. He just decided who God was and he thought God was a bit of a rat bag and and he couldn't be bothered. He didn't even bother to investigate, made no effort to find out. Sadly, that is just how many people are in our world today. They can't be bothered to investigate. Surely it's the biggest question, the biggest thing to investigate in life, the facts about God, the facts about Jesus. But so many people just laugh at God and live for themselves their way. The God question is the biggest one going. Why not have a decent look? Some of you will will have heard of Frank Morrison. He was a sceptic. He was sick of all this God stuff and Jesus stuff, so he's, I'm going to write a book that disputes, disputes the whole thing. And so he investigated. The book never got written. He found that the facts led him to a relationship with Jesus. Matthew 7 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. How marvellous! How wonderful! To know God and live in his love. How marvellous, how wonderful to know Jesus as saviour and friend. What a motivation to want to live a life with the qualities of well done, good and faithful service. What a way to go. It's the life to live and it leads to happiness in heaven that can touch us both now into the future. That's it. <laughs> thank you, Sam.
2: Thank you, Dave, once again for uh, sharing with us. And I don't know about you, but every time Dave speaks, you come away with those little nuggets, those little sayings <laughs> that are so unique and so special. So, Dave, we just want to say thank you for that. And uh, as as we come to the time of close, we we're just reminded that you now when Jesus ushers us into an eternal glory and says, "Well done, good and faithful servant," Jesus said, "I'm going away to prepare a place for you, and in my Father's house there is many rooms." And we have an eternal home with Him, all because of what He has done for us. So we're going to stand now and and end our time together to singing of that. And as we do that, just to remind. I just encourage you to take in all that Dave has, has shared with us and to reflect on that as we sing. So let's stand together and sing. Who that the highest king would work? Lost, but he brought me in all oh, his love. Oh Father, we just thank you that you love us so much, that you call us chosen, that we are yours. And just like the Father in that race, when we stumble and fall, just to look on your face to call us up and to say, Keep running. Finish the race. That is our desire in our heart as Lord. So Lord, we look to you, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Help us to be spurred on as we look to you, Jesus, to, to run up the mountainside in the path that you're calling us to run. And that we, at the end of the day, we would hear your wonderful voice saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Do you want me to finish or do you want to finish? Okay. David said that there's three Cs. Do you remember what they were? Coffee, cake, and chat. And we've got all three Cs with us. (laughs) We've got David and Ingrid's uh, wedding cake that they're going to cut up for us. We've got Anzit biscuits. There's coffee and tea up the back. And make sure you have a good chat with someone, particularly someone maybe you haven't had a chat with for a while or someone that's new. Let's uh, go out in, in faith.